It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, what's going on? Jeff Mosher here from the Inside the Birds podcast. Listen, I am covering the Eagles on my own independent journalism route on patreon.com slash Jeff Mosher, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Jeff Mosher. You're going to get really in-depth coverage. You're going to get all 22 tape breakdowns, previews for games, recaps, scouting reports, inside information, the whole gamut. It'll be very comprehensive Eagles coverage for only $1.99 a month. That's like six cents a day for great coverage you can't beat that also for every 100 subscribers i'm gonna donate ten dollars to the wounded warrior project listen there's no pop-up ads there's no distractions and the content you don't even have to look for it comes straight to you via email patreon.com slash jeff mosher check it out you're listening to the go birds pod a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds Philadelphia Eagles were 15 minutes away from serving notice to the rest of the NFL that the defending Super Bowl champs were back 15 minutes away from their first two-game win streak this season. 15 minutes away from this podcast tonight having a completely different tone. And then it all came undone in what I call 15 minutes of hell. A 17-0 lead turns into a 21-17 loss, and now the Eagles have major problems. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inside the Birds podcast, part of the Go Birds Network. I'm Jeff Mosher, alongside Billy Osborne, former Eagle, former Pitt Panther, and, of course, alongside Adam Kaplan, NFL and Eagles insider. We welcome in our Facebook Live audience. We apologize for the uh, slight delay. And uh, we do encourage you to leave some questions for us for our Ask the Insider segment. But we got a lot to get to. And, listen, I'm going to start it off by quoting... One of the panelists here on this uh, podcast, Uh-oh. and his name, his name is Billy Osborne. Uh-oh. And last week at this time, quote from Ozzy, I'm not convinced they're back. I think they're going to struggle until they change a few things. I think Eagles play calling is still going to hurt the offensive line and ultimately possibly get their quarterback on the sideline. Billy Osborne, now Carson didn't Uh-oh. get killed. 
Uh, it's not exactly how you saw it, but you did pick a Panthers win. You, you picked a Panthers close win. And by the third quarter, you look terrible. By the end of the game, <laughs> you're a genius. And you still have issues with the play calling. Uh, yeah, I, I still do. And it's funny you say that because uh, Adam and I were talking about it. And you're right. You know, Up until the fourth quarter when I saw the Eagles dancing, um, before the kickoff, I was thinking, yeah, you know, I, I don't care. I'm going to get hassled. I understand it. And really, up until the last minute and thirty, you know, I still was. Uh, I, th- I really thought. Ad- I mean, I really thought that Carson was going to go in there. We had first and ten from the uh, the twenty five, and I'm thinking, wow, we're ready to go. We're going to win this game. And my twenty three to sixteen prediction was going to be uh, attacked. But then number fifty nine came around, and uh, I think that was a culmination of some things I saw. He basically guessed. Every right on all four plays. Hey, coach, we call those guys by name. Luke Keekley. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, well, I, I, you know, I'm from the Buddy Ryan era. You know, well, get into the podcast. Say we a lot, but folks, he is an ex-Eagle technically. So he does say we. Luke Keekley blew a lot of stuff. Up. I'm a teammate guy. Yes, but he, he's Luke a smart Keekley, guy. Yes, he is. And I know I was looking at it, and it was crazy. And I just, I, I perfect example. It's third and two, and what do we do? We go shotgun. We still have two timeouts left, and we go shotgun. You know, the theory is maybe get the first down, and then you have a forward new set of plays. But, you know, that's run territory. If you get, you know, you can run two times and get two yards and call timeout. But we go shotgun, mm-hmm. and then we went shotgun again on fourth down. So that's my issue right there. And that's JB, who's uh, he's got my back all the time. He's the mic stand. He also scared the living daylights out of me when I just came in from parking the car. I thought that was, I mean, he literally scared me. It was, was it the menacing face or the tattoos or what? It was all was that, it, but he came from behind me. If you're ever late again, he's going to kill you? Yeah, and he, <laughs> and he came from behind me, really upset. So, well, yeah, so that's my issue. what you're saying, because I think a lot of this podcast is going to be a little bit of a discussion about the idea of run the ball versus not run the ball and what has legitimacy behind it as far right. as what side you're on and what doesn't. But Adam, I want to get to you and your mm-hmm. your overall take right now, not just on what happened uh, Sunday, but with that involved on the direction of this team. So I said on last week's podcast that I my prediction was that the Eagles would win 20, I think 20 to 17. Yeah, you're okay? right on. The game looked like, Jeff, you and I were there, Looked like it was going to end like I thought. Based on what I saw, now the Eagles came out and they played great football. But the one thing you, you set up very well last week are the Eagles back. I said no, I need more, I need more, and I think Bill said Correct. the same thing. Yep. You you can't say a team's back. Although Doug Peterson thought they were back after the Giants game, he actually said that, and he knows his team better than we do. I, I get that. Agreed. And the, there's one thing that bothers me about this football team, and the players said like three or four weeks ago that. They need to have more urgency. I'm thinking that's not good. When you're having to tell say that you need to have urgency as a player, as a, it, it, more as a, as a team, it means you're a little bit entitled. Like, hey, we just won the Super Bowl. Hey, we can get back. We can just turn it on and off. Well, you can in the National Football League. And there's just something that's permeated this football team. Yeah, they they were dominant against a bad Giant team, but it's a it's an NFL team. They did very well. You give me three games like that or three wins in a row, I think you're back. Well, they Jeff to set this up. It, you know your question, kind of where they are. It, they could still win this week, go into their bye at four and four, based on everything that's, that's happened, all the injuries, and they're they're right different than last season. They're on both sides of the football. After everything that's happened, four and four is not too bad. Now the Redskins are a little bit better than we expected. Let's let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Their defense, we, we've talked about this. Their defense is a little bit better. But considering everything that's happened, if they beat a bad Jaguar team with a bad quarterback, they're going to be okay. You do not. You could say it's only a one-game difference. It's really not. 
three and five or four and four is really different. I agree. I think that I learned in 2006 as a beat writer covering the team for the Wilmington News Journal at the time that as long as you're still in it before Thanksgiving oh. and as long as you're still in the division, <laughs> you got a chance because that 2006 team fell to four and seven after Jeff Garcia's first start and they looked like they were about to just completely go off the rails if they weren't already. Is that the Colts game? And then they won. Yeah. He, Jeff Garcia's yeah. first start was against the Colts. I saw him. It was a Monday night game. I saw him early Monday afternoon shopping at the Indianapolis downtown mall. <laughs> and I thought, this, is, this can't be a good he thing. <laughs> he literally was walking around the mall with bags, stuffed bags, and nobody, nobody. In Philadelphia, even Jeff Garcia would have been mobbed. There wasn't a single person other than us who happened to recognize him within two miles of him. I won't say the player's name, but I'm going to tell you a story very quickly. A player got delivered a car day of a game. Morning of a game. Can you believe that? Delivered a car? Yeah, he bought a new car, and the, the agency delivered it the day of the morning of the game. No, it's well. But it was. What's that got to do with Jeff Garcia? No, but get, but <laughs> getting, well, something's doing, coming around. No, right? Doing things, the day of a game. You're seeing a player getting clothing. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I'm just saying. It's, it's yeah, funny. no, it is fascinating. Some of the especially was, when they I play. love how he got there. You, you don't think that, was that great. Had, I mean, it's just a little different. Right. So, but the point is, you thought they were down, you thought they were out, yeah. but one thing you do, you knew, A, that Garcia was a veteran, and B, that they did have a lot of talent on the team. This Eagles team has enough talent to get its act together, to win this division, to be a third or a fourth seed as an NFC East champion, and you know what? It, three months from now, because Carson's been playing so well outside of that last drive, can he go on the road and win a game? We'll see. I think he could, but we're far from there. But the one thing that sticks out to me is that... I think whereas there have been a thousand different culprits, not just in the loss <laughs> to the Panthers, but overall, that this team needs to be coached better on both really? sides of the ball. I agree with Billy on Doug Peterson's coaching, and I personally would say, even though I have thrown the offense under the bus way more than the defense because of the stats say the defense is top 10, what you saw against the Panthers was inexcusable. Not enough adjustments in my part. Uh, allowing a team to pick you apart all year long, wide receivers – have roasted this team on the outside and created first downs on fourth and longs and, and third and longs. That's got to stop. They're, I believe this yeah. team needs to be coached better. I, I'm not mm. suggesting that these guys oh. all of a sudden are terrible coaches. I just think that if they're asking their players to execute a little bit better, then they damn well have to do it the same themselves as coaches. What specifically? Okay, you, you hit it with on, on Schwartz. I'm very interested to see what or hear what you think about Peterson. Is it... I watched... Anything particular? Well, with Doug, and uh, as Billy alluded to, we'll get into this. I think he's becoming a little bit predict. I think his his offense is too reliant right now on Wentz to Peters and Wentz, I'm sorry, Wentz to Jeffries and Wentz to Ertz. I think it's got to add a little more diversity. It's his job to figure out. How- Nelson Aguilar is not a worse player now than he was last year. Yeah, In fact, they it. set up a screen for him, a middle screen that he like pinballed around and picked up eight or nine yards. Was, yeah, His lateral good. quickness is there. Uh-huh. He's not dropping passes. I know earlier in the year he yeah. had one, but they've got to get this, this team last year when they won a Super Bowl had more weapons than jo- we talked about. No thousand yard receiver, no thousand yard rusher balance, right? Mm-hmm. He's got to get Nelson Aguilar back to being the Nelson Aguilar last year. And he's got to get a running game going. I don't give a, you know what? I get it. About anybody who says <laughs> that running the ball I is love it. running the ball is just way overrated. Jeff was it's trying not. to say shit, by the way, because yeah. he's a lot hey, 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 hey! I forgot this is a podcast. That's our boy JB. I forgot it's a podcast. That's right. I, I don't give a so shit. You can say shit. You got to oh, run okay, the ball hey. in the fourth quarter last year. 
They ran the ball in the fourth quarter you know against the Chargers. They, were up. they ran the ball. In four- That's fine. They, they were, were up, up in this game. game. I know. They yeah, were up yeah. 17 points. Yeah, right? I get it. I get it. They've got to figure out a I way know. to run. And it's on the coaches to do this. Jeff, I would say this. I'm only, only going to back Doug on one point. And he said in his press conference, and I know for a fact this is what they saw on the tape. Their line is not playing at the level. It's playing very poorly. Okay. I agree. Okay. It, it, the fact of the matter is for our listeners. And you could see some of this in all 22, but none of us are offensive line experts. Yeah, they're not blowing guys off the line of scrimmage they like they did not, last year. That for is whatever true. reason, this line is not playing at the usual high level. They're playing good football, but not great. They were playing great football last, almost all season. Mm-hmm. Even Big V was playing at a level. He's not playing right now. He's back. Peters is back. But they're just not playing at that elite level, and it's showing. I think what Doug saw is, you know what? Four yards is fine, but we want bigger plays. And it's when he's in the middle of a game, he's not seeing them get off the ball like they did last season. He just he has to, he, you're micromanaging play to play. That's what coaches tell me. You 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 process information, you get it from what the guys upstairs are saying, and you have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Last year, and you're correct, they had a lead, and Bill Belichick had that funny joke. NFL Films filmed it. Yeah, I was trying to find a game where you were behind exactly. and I couldn't. Well, right. guess what? That's probably the case. Now, this is one of the rare times where they were dominant headed to the fourth quarter. Could have they mixed in some runs? Sure. Okay. But don't don't call it an isolated incident no, because this happened against the Titans too. Their numbers also in the second half were better than the first half running. running they, could, they just couldn't run the football in the first half. They had more success in the second half, but the th- Bill had said, so, I, I think, I don't know if we were on the air when he said it. I think you said it. On a third and one, or third and short, why don't you run? Why were you going shotgun? It's so funny because I was watching. I taped a bunch of games. So many teams now on third and one go shotgun. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like first of all, have the quarterback do a quarterback sneak. They think spread the field. We have an advantage if we go spread. That that is how the league has changed here. So for the old schoolers who want to run the ball on third and two, they're throwing. Third and one, they're going to go shotgun. Now, they might hand it off to the running back who's to the right of the quarterback. Mm-hmm. But it's changed. This game is completely changed. I think people need to eat. They're in, they're in 14. I mean, no, but no, so don't – listen, I don't want to hear that shit about this game has changed. In the Go look at the – watch That's a New England – believe. Bullshit. Watch a New England Patriots game when they're leading. <laughs> they figure – they got four running backs that they use. They're actually down to two now, but yeah. There's no excuse for running 15 plays after you take a 17 nothing lead and 14 of them are passes. And I'm yeah. not a big run, 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 run guy. I'm a big pass, 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 pass guy until it. the fourth quarter. All right, and, and let me just say something here. I, I want to clarify something like because I don't want to make it seem like I'm anti-dog and I'm saying he needs to run the ball more. What I'm saying is this. I think you need to be a little bit more, have a little bit more creativity, a little bit more ingenuity in your play calling. To Adam's point, when it's third and one, okay, if you want to pass the ball, that's fine. But if you go shotgun, you're basically telling the offense you're probably not running the ball. And if you are, it's going to be an underneath. That's very easy to, to have keys, run your run keys, and then fill the gap. You go under center, now you give the defense an entirely different viewpoint. Quarterback sneak, handoff quick dive, rollout, pass game. There's all these things that are in the play. And that's why I was thinking with third and two, you go shotgun, it's really I'm either going to hand the ball off here and it's going to be a zone run or whatever it might be, unless the guy goes in motion, or we're going to pass the ball. So it was very easy for them to go out. They went and they went in trips and they went double and then they went to the little out route. They double teamed, you know, Zach. So to me, that was very predictable. Now, to your point, I was just talking to Rick Burkholder from the Kansas City Chiefs. 
We all know him. He's friends. Head athletic trainer. Head athletic trainer. Former Eagles head athletic trainer. Yep, former Eagles head athletic trainer. Was an assistant athletic trainer at Pitt when I played there. Obviously, he knows you two very well. You know what he said to me? He goes, we played Denver this week, and we didn't play very well the last time we played. We won, but we didn't play that well. Andy Reid was in the office at 3.30 in the morning. He's a coach. I'm surprised he wasn't already there at 2.30. Like he says, (laughs) you know, a lot of guys, you know, when I was with the Chiefs, you know, everybody knew who got there early. You know, you showed up at like 6.30, 7 o'clock. The lot was basically full. Marty Schottenheimer? Yeah. Under Coach Schottenheimer and under, you know, uh, Lynn Stiles, all those guys. Mm -hmm. You showed up. You know, everybody knew who was there. Everybody knew when you left. Now, sometimes I thought, man, oh, man, we're just meeting to meet. But my point of this is that, if you really care and you really want it to get better, you know, it's not just going to happen overnight. And that's somebody's ship. And Andy Reid said, you know what, we're winning, we're winning, whatever. But he's a junkie and he's there. Not, not saying the coaches here for the Eagles aren't working hard. The point is that in the NFL, it's a copycat league. You're always looking for an edge. You're always looking for an edge. Andy mm-hmm. Reid could coast if he wants to. Mm-hmm. But as Rick Burkholder said, he was there at 3.30 getting ready to play the Broncos. All right, Bill, here, here's what I would say. So you both have talked about this. There are two things that... I thought were not good. Doug basically said, look, these teams have... The, the reporters asked about the RPOs. It sounds like just from listening to Doug talk, teams have kind of figured out what they're doing here, to a certain extent. RPOs. Yes. They had a whole full offseason to figure this out. This happens in every everywhere. When, when someone's really good at something, they're going to figure it out how to stop it. Okay? So I think that's happened here. I think that's it's obvious that teams now have a beat on what they're doing. Two, and I mentioned this before in our podcast, now it's really bothering me, because I, I was watching the press box. I'm like, why won't Wentz check down? Mm-hmm. He does not want to check down. Bill, you coached, and I'll get to my question for you in a second. But I've studied the quarterback position for 20 years now, pretty well. I've watched tape. I've talked to coaches. I've talked to everyone you could possibly talk to about this. In the West Coast offense, the way a coach explained it to me is that there are five outlets for every pass. Uh, whether it's the three receivers. Now, every team goes three wide all, right. almost all the time. It's a matter of do you want... Or do you go with an H-back? Whatever it is, you're going to have five guys open. Someone's got to get the football in three seconds. 2.7 is really when he would get the ball out. Carson loves to wait, and we love that about him. He's going to look downfield. But there's nothing wrong in what you should do, because they're taught to do that, get rid of the football. Wendell Smallwood, I, I stopped counting. He's open all the time. Jeff, you talked about it. Nelson Aguilar is not bit getting downfield. Whoever's fault it is, whatever the issue is, it's probably more coaching. They need to get him open downfield. He's not getting open. Check the damn ball down. Mm-hmm. Small will probably get you five to seven yards. Yeah, if he doesn't drop it. Five yards. If he doesn't drop it. Right, if he doesn't drop it. But he'll catch it, and he'll probably get run after the catch. Yeah. Well, there you go. Second and two. Or it's a first down. It, this is, happens in every game. It, it's I don't say it's an epidemic, but there are, pl- there are plenty of times he could check it down. It's like... From a coaching standpoint, Bill, you don't want to coach it out of them to throw the ball downfield, but you also want to take what's there. And this team is not getting enough out of, of their offense downfield. I mean, Carson was like, what, was he 20, 30 for 34 at one point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was 15 straight completions at one point. He was unbelievable. Yeah. 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 This is his best game of his career. He's had some great ones. I agree. The it's a shame it had to be ruined by year. that end, yeah. yeah. But he's not working with a lot of help. This was great until, obviously, the last drive. So, Bill, from a coaching standpoint... You've played offense and defense. You've coached everything. You know the slot position. Yep. What do you tell your quarterback to do when you're watching tape and you go, okay, 
this guy wasn't covered. Why, why did you keep waiting? Why don't you check in? Like, what do you say to this guy? Well, that's one of the things right there. You ask him what they're seeing. So what, what do you see? Because you want to find out from them how they're seeing the field, how they're coming. What's your pre-snap? Like, right now, what are you seeing? Like, do you see this guy? Like, you know, in that RPO we're talking about, I thought it was amazing that they just said, forget it. We're not even worried about the run. If you saw the one RPO that I think I even posted on my Twitter and I mentioned it to you is that they went RPO and the guy who was covering up the inside slot, he just literally backed out and went and covered the the, the slot, the, the slant route. he didn't buy it. Didn't even buy it. Right. Okay. And if they said, if you hand it off, we're going to have no problem. He just literally turned around and undercut the, the slant, which that means the RPO is done because they've realized you're, you're going to pass it. So we, we got it. You know, you got your covered. So these are the type of things you want to see what they're, what they're thinking about. And then on film, you just say, listen, like on that fourth down play, Carson looked to the front, was double teamed, went down and was trying to get the inside guy. Keekley did a tremendous job, undercut it, and if you saw right behind him, you basically had a touchdown. So to your point, the slot receiver, I think he was uh was it uh I think it was, it was probably Aguilar. It was Aguilar, was that seventeen? Uh no. No, Jeffrey's seventeen. Jeffrey. Jeffrey's okay. Yeah, Jeffrey's, that's right. He was Nelson's lined up in the 13. slot on that. That's right, yeah. So right. it was seventeen. So he tried to get it down for the first down, but it was just too late. Right. So they 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 but I also think the the play calling put him in a situation. I fail. spoke to Keekley after the game. And he, he said going, right? that by the fourth quarter, he said that it, really by the third quarter, they started making better adjustments. Some of them didn't work because of just sometimes you get a better play against yeah. the right play call. But by the fourth quarter, he said that he felt that they were detecting the Eagles running the same plays out of the same formations with the same personnel. You can do that against the Giants. Yep. When they don't have the mm. right personnel, mm. you're trying to do that against Luke oh. Keekley, who may be the best middle linebacker in the game, and Thomas Davis, who's played this game for what, 10, 11 years yeah. now? Yep. And uh, you get, so you get what you deserve in that, in that regard. Yeah, and I'll ask both you guys. It's fourth and two, right? You're coming off an incompletion. Number one, maybe you call time out there because if you don't get the first down, the game's over. I'm just thinking about this, right? That's easy to armchair quarterback. But secondly, if it's fourth and two and you're coming off of an incompletion, there was no shift. There was no motion. In other words, a lot of times you send people in motion so you can read the defense. Is it zone? Is it combo? What is it? And they did nothing about that. You know, you so know that, was my, that was just my concern right there. They did no shifting. They did nothing to be able to expose the defense. They basically just lined up and said, let's go. You know, it's interesting. So you're talking about that. One of the things that made the Eagles special is they would run a lot of the same plays, but they would change up where guys were lined up, and teams just wouldn't be able to identify it. Now they're identifying everything. So I think Jeff was talking about this. The coach has got to be better. Like you, you know, I know people bring up, you know, the the Reich and D Flip are gone. Okay, that, and Doug's right; they're gone. Enough of this stuff. But it, oh, that's, Grove, it's but tangible. I mean, that's I, no, it is. It's yeah. fair. It's a fair point. To but you're right. Up, There's, but it's out of our control now, right? So now spin it forward. What are you going to do? Well, something I talked about in the podcast a couple weeks ago. I said, you know, I said, look, guys, I'm hearing that Goddard's going to be on the field more, and he has been. Got a little bit of usage. Well, you both are talking about it. Who else do they have now? It's Jeffrey. It's or it's that's their passing game. Yeah, I mean they obviously need Sproles back for somebody who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, and it's still not going on. I'm told he's got a grade two hamstring strain, and um, that's a tear, right? If if it's a grade two, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it it, as I I think I actually talked about same thing Fournette has. Uh, I don't I don't know his degree, but this one's four to six weeks. We're we're almost the six week point here. Mm -hmm. I think it's five weeks. Um, Fact of matter is he's not playing this week. Uh, I I definitely think he'll practice after the bye, unless he had a setback they don't know about. But they need him for checkdowns. They need him for the screen game. What has happened to the screen game? A little bit. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a tremendous point. And, and, and finally, real quick before ahead, I finish that, ahead. because yeah. I, I kind of had a battle on Twitter five Uh-oh. weeks ago Uh-oh. with 
I said something like, man, they're going to really miss Sproles against this team because this team gets burned by pass-catching backs. And everybody was like, oh, Corey yeah. Clement, would you forget about Corey Clement? Do you remember we won the Super Bowl without Darren Sproles? They're not the same player. Corey Clement's a really good player. Not diminishing anything about him. He does not line up in the slot and run routes like Darren Sproles. He is not the same player as Darren Sproles just because he does catch passes in his own way. So, yes, the Eagles have missed Darren Sproles in their offense. And you can't, you know, we'll talk about the trade deadline later, but you're not going to find these guys. Right. Like, if you looked at my Twitter and saw all the players people are asking about, I'm like, I don't answer them because it's just, right. you know, I'll try to hit some of them here. But you have what you have. Do a better job with what you have. And, and you know, we're, we're not trying to just throw stuff out there and say Doug's not doing a good job. That's not what we're saying. We're no. saying he's got to do a better job. And by the yeah, way, and, uh, you know, again, Jim, too. I, I, I put you go this to pass now? game more on Jim than I did on Doug. But Yeah, and let me just uh, – let me finish up the offense real uh-huh. quick, too. Yeah. If we got a couple guys that are getting involved, you know, most of the times when you come up to the line of scrimmage, and this is what makes the Eagles so good, and let's face it, Carson – He's un- he was unbelievable in this game. I mean, absolutely unbelievable. I think, what, he hit 16 straight at one point? Or is it 15 straight? I mean, he was unbelievable. And they were throwing everything at him. Now, a lot of times you come to the line of scrimmage and you let the play come to you and you dictate. But there is some times when you can actually call a play because you want to get the ball in somebody's hands. So whether it's a jet sweep or whether it's a quick screen or something like that. So some of these guys, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, I know Jeffries is out there and you have – you know, run a run a little bubble screen. Run us run a slot where he can come back and catch the ball and get him involved early in the game. So it's not so much. I mean, Ertz made an unbelievable catch along the sideline. But as we said, Dallas is playing pretty well too. You can do some things for the tight end. There's a lot of different things you can, you can fake the screen one way. You have the tight end block set and throw it back to him. Let him get his, let him get a touch and get a field just to get other guys involved and just to get Carson used to throwing it to other people, too. So I think there are some things that the Eagles can do offensively from a schematic standpoint and then get the ball in people's hands and then just go out and play. You don't want to force the ball, but I think there is ways to get the ball into people's hands and utilize their strengths. That's what I feel like offensively. Defensively, now we got now there's other stuff we can talk about. Yeah, and then I really, I've been more harsh on the offense and, and more defensive of the defense up until last game. And I, I get that the Eagles only scored 17 points. I also get that the defensive coordinator watched the Panthers three straight times drive down the field and score three touchdowns and really didn't do much about it. I watched every single snap, okay? The first two times the Panthers went down the field, it was kind of what you normally see. A lot of cover one, a lot of cushion there. And if you go look, if you go go up and down, it's like nine-yard pass, eight-yard pass. The same stuff that we've seen all year. So finally, the Panthers put two in the end zone, and now it's a game, right? It's 17-14. Yeah. Jim makes an adjustment. He, he takes that cushion away. And if you remember... Newton's incomplete on the first three passes, and then he gets this miraculous fourth down recovery, slips hit. out of, and and I'm I'm thinking too little, too late. You you just watch the team twice, just completely march down the field and score on you, and now you've made the adjustment to wait to put to play tighter coverage, and yet and you still haven't blitzed not once. Now Jim said he blitzed three times, which is the most misleading stat in my opinion because one was. A four-man rush. He dropped a lineman and blitzed the linebacker. Right, I don't consider a, a four-man rush a right, blitz, no. okay? The second time was the touchdown Olsen, which is the Panthers coming out in I formation at the one-yard line. Every team in the world on defense, when they see I formation at the one-yard line, throws everybody yep, at the line yep, of scrimmage and yep. says, well, if they beat us on play action, they beat us on play action. That's not a blitz. That's not something interesting. And again, I'm not, I'm not Mr. You got to blitz all the time. I don't right. want Todd Bowles, you know, and I'm not Mr. You have to pass the ball. I'm sorry, you have to run the ball 50 50 no I'm not but t- 
times call for some changes. Times in the fourth quarter, you got to be able to take time off the clock, so and, and running is the best to. way to yeah, do it. Know, and then you, yeah. when you see your te- defense get picked apart the same exact way yeah, I, for our and, entire quarter, you've got to do something different. And I, I just want to get something clear real quick. Ahead, in the beginning, you just said the offense. This game hasn't changed that much. This game hasn't changed that much in the offense, and now you're saying it I, has I said changed. What? <laughs> You said in the, the the beginning when you're saying the offense, football hasn't changed that much. I don't care what they say. You need to go run the football. That was you. I didn't yeah, say football. Has, I know the football has changed a lot. I said <laughs> no, winning I games. No, I, I said in the fourth quarter, that part hasn't changed. When you have a lead, you got to run ball. You got to run it. You got to yeah. okay. salt it. I'm just clarifying. I saw you shaking your head. I know you're like one of these contrarians who wants to throw the ball. You're like Joe Banner. You want to throw the ball a thousand times. And that's absolutely ridiculous. People who think that way, I will not say. No, actually, Joe doesn't believe that. When He told me. He's the one who got me started on this. We Joe Banner told us on our radio show he passed the ball every single time if he could. I know he's kidding. He believes you throw to score in the first half, you run to win the second. Yeah, somebody, I agree. somebody okay. told him that. I agree. Yeah. He, he didn't no, learn. He somebody, yeah, I know. <laughs> somebody told him that. No, but he's he bought it from Wall. Right, right. It, sure. When he came to the Eagles in '94. He I had totally agree the with game, it. and he goes, "This is the way the West Coast coaches did it." Andy Reid, all of them. Andy right. adopted the philosophy through. So, Andy thought it not to the degree that Joe did, but that's another story. Well, I would just say this. If yeah. I'm wrong about this, then why, when Doug got killed for not running the ball against Kansas City, I mean, just criminally not running the ball. Did he then run the ball at like a 45% clip against the Giants when it was never more than a one-possession game? And then why did he go out to the LA and with 644 on the clock, drain 640, all of it, on a 13-play drive where the last two were kneeled out, 11 plays, Six of them were runs. Okay, which two players are not on the roster right well, now? Well, uh, so now you just don't run the ball. No, but so you, you what you're saying is so what you're saying is I, really I don't have the personnel to run. I'm going to that is he a, will not say that's that? a terrible, Listen, terrible then, philosophy. Then, okay, they have to. There's a reason. That's he, like saying I don't have Jason Peters. I got no. Big V here, so I can't run any play but, to the left side. But you, there's a reason why coaches do things and don't do things. Mm-hmm. They, it's very clear to me, they don't believe in the run game. They could say whatever they want. I agree with you, but it's the, I, I think if they were giving it a shot, they don't. Well, I also think that people have their their own feelings about what they want to uh, what they want their identity to be, and sometimes coaches can be very stubborn. And you know, they just say to themselves, "You know, we're gonna we, we're a passing team. That's what we're gonna do. I don't care what anybody else says." And I, I'm I'm okay with you trying to in, inflict your will and do it. But you also got to be smart and you got to realize that there's a game to win and you can't just throw the rock every time. You have to do some tendency things so that the team plays different. My point, of fourth, point. My, my point of fourth down was this. I don't mind them playing, man. But they just literally lined up. They gave the defense or the offense, they gave Cam Newton no look. He knew when he lined up to the line of scrimmage, they are a bump man. And all I got to figure out who's going to win at the line of scrimmage. Now, they did a good job rushing. My point of this is, in the NFL, give them something else to look at. Just don't line up and bump. Make them think you're playing zone. Make them think you're playing combo. Just yes. give them something to think something about differently. Different. Yes, that's so, all I'm saying. So his jobs, a coach's number one job is to put his players in a position to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like both of them have failed their players at times. And I'm going to tell you my biggest problem the entire game, the biggest problem the entire game, they ran a sweep, Carolina, and Darby's coming around on the outside. And who's <laughs> leading the sweep? Cam Newton. And what does Darby do? Give him the ole. He goes no, underneath no. him. He had an opportunity to literally drill the quarterback mm. in the open field without any penalty. He's got a bad shoulder, by the way. Who does? Darby. No, Ca- no oh, Cam Newton. Oh, okay. Cam Newton. Yeah. So Darby right did shoulder. Darby did the two 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 terrible things. Number one, well, first off, one, he just basically, in my point, he did chicken out of contact. Yes. Number two, he could have taken on the quarterback 
and knocked the living you're less living shit oh, out of him. Bigger, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I but, don't know if Darby's but, that. No, no, but what I'm saying, Darby's now. coming right. from all over. You can get an angle. Yeah. But thirdly, you don't go behind the play. You cut underneath the play mm. to bounce the guy back to your teammates. By him going underneath, force he, him. Yeah. Or he you basically do it. took himself out of the. He took Not himself good. out of the play, and he didn't force him to the side. Or you do what Asante Samuel used to do. You go there and you lower your head and pretend you're trying to make a tackle. And when he runs around, you say, "Play too, man." Zach Miller, right? Just one thing I would add is I talked to. To Greg that. Olson after uh-huh. the game. Yep. I was like, how did you guys come back? He goes, look, we, we were throwing caution to win. We were down 17 nothing. What do we have to lose? Yeah. So the mindset was like, just relax. Yeah. Just you know, just take it one ish- thing at a time. And I talked to one of their high-ranking offensive coaches who said there was such spacing between 29, because this is what he said. He goes, the guy said 29 and 58. Is that uh, Maddox and, and uh, Hicks? Yes. Yeah. They took the spacing, whatever right. was available. Now you had said in your tape study Jim, at the end, the last drive, did he cut it down? Well, at the last drive, he was still playing one deep safety. That okay. was Maddox. But, but then he was tightening up the, the coverage between okay. Darby and the receiver and Mills and the receiver. They took, the this offensive coach said they took whatever they could find because their biggest issue in the first half was the Eagles' pressure was so good. Mm-hmm. Mostly a four-man front, which is not good. The Eagles were getting home. It's good for the Eagles, but bad for the Panthers. Yeah. Right. Then they had the awful um, loss of down, the uh, intentional grounding, and they couldn't get out of their own way. Right. And such a, psychologically, they just... At the you know, mid third quarter, like okay, it's now or never, and it permeated to the, the fourth quarter. We're like, okay, we're starting to get some momentum, and the Eagles didn't answer. And I, I I think Bill makes a fair point. When you have a big lead, you you still should ha- you could still throw more than you run, mm-hmm. but you've got to give them something different. Yes, I think I think there's something in Doug's DNA. I don't like what I'm seeing. We're throwing it right, like the short. I trust the, myself. He threw the same pass swing pass to Aguilar that didn't yeah. work in the first quarter. Yeah, and what happens sometimes you have a you know you have your play chart and listen they spend all week long getting ready for that play chart and it laminated. says yeah laminate all thing and it says third and two sometimes you have to get a gut feel in the game and even though it says third and two shotgun sidecar left trips slot well you might have to think you know what it's third and two and it's near the end of the game. Let's go under center because we need two yards and we can st- we have plenty of time. We have timeouts. The first down is critical. Let's not put our quarterback in a situation on fourth down where he's got to pick up the first down and anything can happen. Let's take it out of the thing on th- on third down. That's just my feeling. You know, you have a play card and you chart and you have all these things. Yeah, I, gr- I agree. But sometimes it's also a gut. And even though it says shotgun, maybe based on what you're seeing and the time of the game, you go under center. The Eagles were also an excellent third down run team, by the way, last year. Third and short, they ran actually more than, and, than and, league average. And, and the and chunk converted. plays are gone. Yeah, they They're are. They are. Plays, so yeah. listen, so now's a good time to remind you that we're going to be back for this game coming up on Sunday against the Jaguars. I'll be here. Uh, Saturday, right? Yeah, I actually. Yeah, the game Sunday will be on Saturday on WIP from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock for Inside the Birds Radio. Uh, we, have, we have to turn the page to... How is this team going to get fixed? And obviously, it's we've got the trade deadline coming yep. up on Tuesday. So, Adam, I want to ask you sure. about a few guys because there's just names all oh out my there. God, they're like, uh, I, can't I know. Even, I so, first of all, Amari Cooper got moved, <laughs> yes. and you know we can laugh about first round pick for the count. I, I thought that was overpaying, but we saw that the Eagles. There was a report the Eagles were in on it and maybe willing to offer a second round pick. It's actually true. Okay, I'm told it's true, and the reason why that you know how like they had intel with Alshon Jeffrey it was Mike Rowe had him in Chicago Joe Douglas was he in, he was in Chicago for a year yeah um, Dwayne Joseph's a personnel guy he was in Chicago so mm-hmm. they had really good intel and boy did they get that right you know and a lot of people criticize the Eagles what are they doing these guys get injury history got suspended right. they had great intel they were correct uh, Mike Rowe uh, was a coach at was he OC he was an assistant coach at Alabama I believe he recruited Mari Cooper oh okay uh, he knew him 
Um, uh, Jeff Stallone was at Alabama. Of course, of course. I was so they knew the player. Yeah. That, uh, my understanding is that's why they were interested in Cooper. And it's true, they did offer a second-round pick. They never discussed a first-round pick. They were never going to do a first-round pick. So, so how do I summarize this? We know that despite what people think, Amari Cooper absolutely, positively could go downfield. If you don't believe me, watch the All-22, as I was told, of the Kansas City Thursday night game where he had over 200 yards. There's your answer. No, end of yeah. discussion. No, the only thing with him is whether or not he can catch true. the balls yeah, consistently well, enough. He's right. got he's issues with confidence. Uh, it go, uh, goes up and down. Right. It's related to the drop passes. He gets down on himself. I think Gruden got frustrated, but they did have interest in him. So to answer your question, is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. It tells me that they're still going to receiver. Those of you who show every week, I've said it every week. They need a downfield threat. That's their number one need. You know, and you brought up Tyrell Williams a couple of years ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's obviously Forget not happening now that now, he's. A, you jinxed they, that thing, man. They turned their season around. The Chargers oh owe you God. a Christmas present he for that. Aw- it's like over thirty yards of catch the last three weeks. Demarius Thomas, not kind of what they're looking um, for, right? He's not. Could he, he runs well for size, but he's not a speed guy. He turns thirty-one as we do this. He turns thirty-one tomorrow. Um. It's guaranteed money out of his contract expires after the season, but it's. So I do you, don't see it. Do you think they get a wide receiver before they're Tuesday? trying? I'm going to tell because I know people are like they ask me every day and they ask you. Right. They're trying. Yeah, all right. Um, I've heard that it on will not defensive be for the back, lack of but, trying, but I'm telling you, I tried to warn people weeks ago on the show. Yeah, they're not going to hurt their football team for the future. Uh, they they felt they had intel on Amari uh, uh, Cooper. Every other player they're 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 t- talking about. There are very few, like the Patrick Peterson thing, it's not happening. So we, oh, God, we, I think that today got closed. Uh, my understanding is like every team that called got shot down. They, they were never got to make an offer because they said we're not trading. Right. Okay. Well, I, well yeah, so, so where do they go? I mean, uh, running back is still an area where there's, you know, there's, there's Shady McCoy. It's been out there. Le'Veon, we've already said that it's um, very I, unlikely I, on I, Le'Veon. My sense is I wouldn't rule Shady out. I think it's more of a media thing. Uh-huh. Would he fit? They know the player. He comes in, knows the playbook. It's the match is terrific. They drafted him. I mean, for what we're talking about yeah. with this run game, and really if that if badly. it really is that Doug just uh, has no confidence in these running backs, then you would think running back would be high on the two list. Things. A, this is, goes against their philosophy in a way. Uh, they want sustainable success. They want players who are going to be here for a while if they trade for him, mm-hmm. unless it's just someone who's given if if a team's given away a, a development core the Eagles actually had a high grade on. Right. They can give up a fifth round pick. They're probably going to do that. Right. Even if the guys on last year was deal because they could resign him, how he likes, as you know, their front office, their philosophy, which was, was really, di- which really other, I think, uh, Banner started too. They like to bring these these young players who come in one year deals, or they sign them as undrafted free agents or whatever. They like to, the, the guys they bring off the street. They like to do two year deals. Um, so if they acquire a player, it would surprise me if they extend it if they like the guy. Uh huh. But in the end, Jeff, it, it's a challenge for them because he, here's what. Two personal guys told me tonight. Actually, the same story. It's really funny. They both agree that the problem that they're having is when they call teams, all the teams they thought would want to trade, they're still in the playoff race because we're only in week eight. Mm-hmm. Like a team is three and four, or they're four and three. Um, they're not ready to. They're not. Or they had their sure. buy. They're not ready to punt yet. Right. So they need a couple more weeks. Yeah, so, like a team like the Buccaneers, now, which has Deshaun, now, and you would right, think, yeah, whoever it is. Now, if this team loses on Sunday. Uh-huh. And they're now three and five. Maybe you push a little harder, right? So you're going to hear all sorts of rumors Monday and Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But you know, Jeff, you know, McCoy. I, I think it's a long shot all based right. on really strong intel I have. Um, the Bills also, as one personnel guy told me from an AFC team, mm-hmm. they need to get real bit realistic on their um, what they're looking for. Um, 
I think he's available. I think I know he's available. It's the question is, will they get something acceptable? And you and I have talked about this on the show. You need to get through the legal issue that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, he's. I think he's got two years left in him. I think that's pretty much the people I've talked to have graded his tape. You get to see he, the thing I like about him. He'll play with the nagging injuries. He's tough as heck. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So that that's the shady stuff. W- one more name, Amir Abdul. Okay, he, I like him. Uh huh. But. From what I hear, no. I love them at Nebraska. I know he's tiny. He but. was way overdrafted by the former. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I know. I didn't know him like that. The former regime, but. Jeff, way overdrafted. Yeah. Yeah. Part that of Bill Nose's is a personnel guy. You need to know what you're drafting. Yeah. yeah. You don't draft a 5'8 running back in the second round. Brian Westbrook, who would have been, I think, my my thinking, had he not had bad knees, would be a Hall of Fame player. Mm-hmm. He cannot, you couldn't mm-hmm. stop him. His knees stopped him. Right. Mir Abdullah was way overdrafted. He's too small. He's not a lead back. He's a changeup. Right. Who's explosive. But. Talking to personnel guys, the tape is not good. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, maybe change the scenery." Like, nah, he's just—he needs to probably go for a one-year deal. Not, you know, he—the Lions can't give him away right now. Maybe they do next week, but right now, you know, I—I I, I, I saw Brian Westbrook as a freshman, almost single-handedly beat Pitt. He came out there at the University of Pittsburgh, the first game of the season, and he was a freshman. I'm like, "Wow, this kid is something special." And obviously, we didn't know what we were going to see, but this was a—he literally almost single-handedly beat Pitt at Pitt. So, obviously, I'm a big Brian Westbrook fan, but I'm just going to ask both you guys, is there anybody at all out there that you guys have been hearing that, just a name, just one name that you're thinking that maybe, maybe the Eagles might find a home for him here? Anybody? Boy. No, I mean, nobody, to, nobody, to be honest with you, I asked that exact question yep. to three people this week in, okay. involved in the league, specifically at safety, knowing the Eagles need <laughs> one badly. Yep. And the answer, and Adam knows, the, the answer you'll get from everybody is, if you've got a decent young safety, it doesn't matter whether you've got six wins or two wins, nobody's going to give him up. If you want a box safety, you can yeah. get those Oh, guys. yeah, a bo- like Carl like Joseph of them. From the, for the Raiders, <laughs> they'll give him away. But nobody, right. the Eagles need a, a, a yeah. post safety, yeah. not a box safety. Right. So they there's no range safety. Yeah, there's no, safety, there's yeah. no uh, fit yeah. there. So, right. yeah. All right. But uh, we'll see. We'll find out more, obviously, as Adam said, as, you know, when some of the teams lose on Sunday and then it, ra- it might ratchet yeah. up there's their some, willingness to want to make a trade. Let's get to our Ask the Insider segment. Do we have any questions today, Mr. Barker? People think stuff's going to happen. I, I think this stuff heats up next week. I, I um, I, I just it's it's been tough. Man. Yeah, it's been tough. Yeah. If they go four and four, they're probably going to stay stay the course. They I, should I because yeah. they're they're still they're right in it. I agree. Redskins are what four and two. They had a buy. Yeah, yeah right. So and far. their roster. I mean, they got a couple injuries, but they're gonna they're gonna start getting healthy pretty quick with that with that buy. Mm-hmm. All right. Do we have a question? Uh, there's some uh, a lot of comments basically just on cap space and moving forward and what they have right now, which I also think is really interesting after seven weeks of coming after a Super Bowl. But right. I mean, I'll, I guess I can just phrase it this way from a lot of the conversation that's in there. Do you think that these guys, the Eagles in particular, had made some mistakes coming into the season? Now you have Jason Peters, you have Nick Foles, you have a lot of guys. Darren Sproles, as you guys have just mentioned, is having troubles getting on the field. Did they... Did they kind of get too much in the nostalgia to bring the yeah, band the back sentiment, together here? the sentimentality. You know, I didn't think that going into the year, but I think it's a fair... Now, it's hard to kill Howie for wanting to keep good players together. I don't I don't think this is Ruben Amaro Jr. Re- redo <laughs> where you just hang on and hang on and hang on. They Alan won Anderson. something, yeah, yeah, and then this is just the next year, and a lot of those guys came sure, back in great sure. shape. But I, th- yeah. I think that it's a fair remark that some of these guys were older like Darren Sproles like Jason Peters and or even letting a guy like LeGarrette Blunt go which you know you got to make some business decisions here or there but I did have one Eagle call me this way one former Eagle called me okay. played on the team last year and uh, said that he feels like they really miss LeGarrette not just from not really from a running back standpoint but from 
a swag. Like he said, Legarrette and Alshon Jeffrey yeah. were the two guys who just, just galvanize that team. You know, like Malcolm it's can give us but those two guys are just, they, they curse and they get all crazy about it. I don't know what you heard about Alshon Jeffrey before he came here. It's, it's amazing, right? It's what Zach Ertz told me this summer. <laughs> Something happens when these players come into this locker room. It's kind of like, you know, people would say this about New England. Guys just, they love the camaraderie and it's, Doug Peterson's a big reason why. Yeah. He just, this is what we didn't know about him because he'd never mm-hmm. been a head coach before. Right. You, look, no one else was talking to Doug to be a head coach. It was just the Eagles and they knew him. But he set the table as a head coach, and the players bought in, and they they don't go over the line with Doug. But to move this forward, Doug's gonna have Doug's gonna have to get after a little bit because the they 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 can't keep losing like this. It's part of the coaching I'm talking about. Yeah. Got to get after you him a, a fair bit. point. Yeah, and, yeah. And Doug could do it, man. It's for, it's it's from, from top to bottom. Yeah. It ain't just he about scheme. It's about everything. Yeah. He did it during the he did it during yeah, I mean, the playoff. That's right. He's yeah. an aggressive guy. He does. He's not gonna. I mean, he, he may just be a little chill out there, but make no mistake about it. He's in control. He's not gonna let anybody. You know. Get off the ship, so to speak, and let you run your own ship. It's his ship where you're off. So I think he does set the tone of locker. But there's all type of different guys. There's screamers. There's guys that don't say anything. There's guys that. Doug is a guy that can put your arm around you, but he also you'll know where you stand. He's not gonna he's not gonna look at you and say something else. That's what the players respect. It's amazing how quickly Michael Bennett picked up on that. He said a couple weeks ago. He said this is guy treats you like a man, and and I really appreciate that about him. And. Um, and and he's only been here for you know a couple months really so it, yeah. it, it you know, really sticks out as quick. a player and in the locker room what you want is you want a guy who obviously backs up what he says and for the most part you treat everybody the same that will give you the ultimate respect in a locker room as a coach I mean as a player from what a coach does that is very very important for the um, you know for how the locker room operates especially when you start losing right. It's very easy when you're winning. Everybody does. But when you start Front losing, runner. exactly right. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Uh, Any other questions? Yeah. Uh, Jones and Zach actually want to know uh, if there's been an update on Jernigan's status at all. I haven't heard anything. No. I'm sure you guys haven't either. Well, I mean, he's out at practice watching it, which means he's still not off NFI. He's still not practicing. So even if he were to, after this game coming up, which I have not information that he is, no. it's still got to be a certain amount of time oh, that uh, before you right. can get on. I mean, so we're looking at. If he started, Remember, if he came off folks. the list on Monday, we're talking about maybe maybe least three weeks. a week before Thanksgiving. At least yeah. three weeks. Yeah, and, and so sprawls, it's a while. I think there's a good chance to start practicing. I didn't say play after the bye. Nah, that's crazy. Practice, okay? That's crazy. And uh, Matt Collins, the last time I heard was, uh, you know, both groins hit issue with both sides. Right. Uh, doing pretty well. Um, hopefully after the bye or the week after that, he starts practicing. We'll see. Um, but, man, they, they need anyone who can get – I have not heard anything on Mike Wallace lately. Yeah. Uh, did one of the coaches say something positive about him? But, I don't know. The coaches actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Doug. Doug said Darren Sproles' injury when he at first had it was like day to day. So say that? yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else? Do we uh, <laughs> last one, just to follow up from Zach as well. Two most likely to deter, uh, return from IR now, in your guys' opinion. <sighs> Maybe probably I would say Mac and yeah. is Rodney a potential? Not the no, nah, probably not. So. Richard Rogers. Just to get another weapon in the yeah, I don't uh, know. Uh, Wallace, why wouldn't you bring Wallace well, back if he can run? You could. I, yeah. I just, I guess, I thought that kind of injury is really long and Broken I, leg. Yeah. Plus, you're a wide receiver. You have no conditioning when you sit well, out say, for ten I, weeks. I, and I, I don't. I, it, it's basically the way you evaluate these. You don't have to put the designation for return until you start when you know he's going to practice. And right. The, the rules completely changed two years ago. Right. We had to do it at like the beginning of the season. You don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Definitely. All right. That, so that's it for the questions. All right. Really quick before we get out of here, because I don't know if we'll do it on Saturday, but I, I do want a quick kind of. Look forward to the next game in a prediction. What do you think happens? Eagles are going to win this game. 
Blake Bortles is the quarterback. We'll talk. Blake more Bortles about is three and zero in Wembley, averaging thirty six points. Ooh, <laughs> great, great. So great. Go down. But fact of the matter is, they're not. The Jaguars are not beating the Eagles Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh At nine thirty Eastern, we'll watch it. All right. Uh, Eagles will win this game, twenty to thirteen. Billy, I I agree. I don't think there's any way that uh, the Eagles lose this game. I I like them. I like them big. I like them probably. Really? By, yeah, I like them by at least ten points, if not fourteen. I'm thinking like a twenty-eight to ten score, thirty-one okay. to ten. All right, wow. interesting. Um, look, the Jags have been there five times. The Eagles have never been there. That's a Bortles that's a is three and big zero. Deal. They scored thirty-six points a game with Bortles out. For whatever reason, he's a better quarterback in London than he is anywhere on American <laughs> soil. In fact, now we know why Shad Khan was thinking about moving the team to London. Probably thought he'd be undefeated. I think that whole travel and experience like thing is going to matter. So, I I'm going to go with the Jags. I'm oh. going to go with like a twenty-one. Uh, whoa. 17 type right, quickly. 21 20. It's way right. 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 3 and 5. Is this team going to win the division? We'll see. Like I said, you couldn't count it. You wanted to count them out oh, in 2000? No, I get something. No, if they go 3 and 5, I, 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 I still I, won't rule them out of the division. No. I think sometimes maybe they have to so you're not buying the Redskins, huh? Not buying anybody in this I, division. I, I like Alex Smith there. I like the way they've settled in the, at their quarterback. But um, at three and five, I still like the Eagles at, as the. Uh, My man, Jim Tom Sola, D line coach, is awesome. He's, 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 he's a, a good, big reason. Yeah, as a D line coach, yeah, and that's awesome you know not a head coach, no, not he, a guy in front of the microphone. He was the highest paid D line coach I, in the NFL. Let me anyway. just let me just say one thing. I played at Wembley Stadium. You did. You yes. did. Yes, fuzzy memory segment. I, yes. I, okay, we'll talk about that. <laughs> really? Sorry, but I played at Wembley Stadium, and the greatest thing about Wembley Stadium is for a grass field. Now it's a little different, but back in the day, when you play on a grass field, it always had a pitch. Wembley's field is completely straight. They have the most state-of-the-art drainage system. It's it's the, the, it's, it always it's the fastest, it's overcast. Yep, it's the fastest there. track you will play on really? for grass. Really? It's unbelievable. The guys will have a great time over there, but to play... But That's the all Eagles cornerbacks want to hear. Different. All right. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that'll do it for Inside the Birds podcast. Thanks to our listeners. Thanks to our Facebook Live viewers, all the people who ask questions. And remember, you can catch us on Inside the Birds Radio WIP this Saturday from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And of course, we'll be back with the Inside the Birds podcast next Wednesday, 8 p.m. right here.